This is the unadulterated Word of God, coming to you from Savannah Ministries. We build up believers unto maturity. We raise ministers for the end-time harvest. We preach the Word of God with signs and wonders following. And we use the Word of God to meet the needs of mankind. in God's presence. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father, for this wonderful opportunity to sit around the table of your word. Thank you, Father, because the entrance of the word brings light and understanding to the simple. And faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Holy Spirit, I ask, they anoint every ear to hear your word today, every heart to receive. Open the eyes of understanding. Lord, speak through me, think through me. Let your words come forth with simplicity and clarity. Thank you, Father, for the blessings in your word. In Jesus' name, I will believe. Say amen. amen. Sorry, my voice is a little hoarse. I've been <laughs> doing a lot of preaching and teaching. Uh, amen. Now, while, while, while Reverend was talking, was speaking earlier, uh, the Lord just began to move something in my heart. And that's the word offense. Offense. The Bible speaks about the root of bitterness can create offense if you look at the word offense two words is off end off end the end is what you want to accomplish where you want to go your destination bitterness can make you go off your destination amen let me say this right now the lord told me there are people who are bitter against him there are people who are offended there are people who are offended with god there are people who have been who come to church, sit down, they play the part because they're afraid in their minds, I don't want to lose my salvation. I don't want to lose going to heaven. So they play the part, but inside they're offended with God. Sometimes things happen that you might not be able to explain. And because of that, we find ourselves, you know, offended. One of the wrong things we've been told by preachers a lot of times is that God is in control. Are you hearing me? If I think God is in control, then my wife would drop dead on a Sunday morning while leading church singing a song, then I'll be angry at God. Just imagine it. My wife is leading praise and worship, singing a song. I just want to be where you are. Goes in front of the church and collapses and 45 doctor tells me, sorry, we lost. Amen. Five days, to, uh, six days to my birthday. She was planning my birthday and that was it. So if, if I believe God is in control, then I'm going to offend that God. Because if God was in control, why did God make that happen to me? Amen? And many of you might be in that shoe, in that place, where you are offended with God about some things that have happened. Okay? And you've gotten bitter with God. Now you might not say it out, but inside your mind, you bear that bitterness against God. And that hinders your fellowship, hinders your intimacy with God, because you can't trust Him. You cannot trust God on that basis. Let me say this to you. And that is this. Sometimes you don't know what is going on in somebody's mind. There are times you pray for somebody in your family, somebody, your loved one, even like in my case, you pray, you believe, but somehow it didn't turn out the way you expected. Don't get bitter with God. Don't get bitter with God. I remember there was an incident, a lady who was in our church, 
in Trinidad who had gotten sick with cancer. Very devoted, committed lady. I was over her in one of my, she was in two of my departments where I was the pastor over there. And, and I prayed, I went to visit, I prayed with her. The church prayed with her, my bishop prayed with her. I, I anointed her with oil. I said, we even gave her communion. All the stuff we did and she passed away. So about two weeks later, her, her, her niece called me and said, uh, Pastor Namdi, I'm sure you are concerned about sister, so and so, my auntie. I said, yes. She said to me, while you guys were praying, the family was preparing her funeral. Okay, she was preparing her funeral with her family, preparing the casket, what she was going to wear, all that stuff. And we were praying and believing. So from our end there, we're in faith. But we don't know what's going on with people. Amen? Hallelujah? Okay. Psalm 91, verse 16. Psalm 91, this is not my notes, but my message. I'm just going to flow with the Holy Ghost. Psalm 91, look at verse 16. It says, with long life, will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want to ask you a question. If I want to satisfy you, do I tell you how much to eat? I, I, answer me. If I want to satisfy you, do I tell you how much to eat? That means it's my choice to say how much I want to eat. God says he wants to satisfy us with long life. That means the long life is your choice how long you're going to live. It's your choice how long you're going to live. If you can say, Satan, you're not taking me out. It doesn't matter what you throw at me. I'm not going to die till I'm 85, till I'm 90. You can make that literal decision. You can make that, that confession, that covenant, that statement. And God will honor it because God says, with long life will I satisfy you. If you look at Psalm 90, there you will see that uh, Moses, it was a psalm of Moses in the wilderness, Psalm 90. In Psalm 90, in the wilderness, Moses was saying the number of our years as three score and, and five. Or as, 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 75, I mean, forgive my, I, I forgot the exact words, but Moses said that the number of years are 75, and he said those years are toil and labor. Those are difficult years. So said, by strength they become 80. So that's why we have this idea that 75 is God's plan. But that was Moses speaking in the wilderness when they were in disobedience. He was not, he said it's toil and labor. That's what Moses said. It's toil and labor. If you look at it there, thank you. Three, number of our days are three score and ten. That's only seventy. And if by reason of strength they be four score, that's eighty. Yet is their strength. Look at this: labor and sorrow, labor and sorrow. That is not the portion of the believer. Are you looking at that in the scripture? Look at it. Moses was Moses. This Psalm ninety is Moses. If you look at the beginning, it just says Psalm of Moses, the servant of God in the wilderness. So Moses spoke this when they were literally in rebellion. They were in the wilderness. They were going through their times of today we want flesh, tomorrow we want drink, and all that kind of stuff. And Moses said, our years are 70 years. And if by any strength, 80. Yet, yet it's just trying to labor and sorrow. That is not what Jesus came to give us. Come on to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you what? Rest. So that is not, look at it. Your strength is labor. So that's not you. Amen? That's not you. Hallelujah. And also it says sorrow, that's not you Jesus said in this world you have tribulation But be of good cheer I will come the word for you So when we look at scripture we have to be careful That we don't embrace this scripture As the template for our lives Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? God is in control through your faith God is in control through you Jesus said whatever you bind on earth Heaven will bind Look at Luke chapter 11 verse 2 Luke 11 2 
Jesus said that. Whatever you bind, heaven binds. Whatever you lose, lose. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. That whatever you bind in heaven, or on earth, you bound in heaven. If I give you a keys right now, I decide to walk from here to Guarimba, that is your choice. Amen? But you can't blame me. God said, I've given you the keys of keys of the kingdom. That what you bind. So literally, God gives the control back to us. He gives it to us as we release our faith. As we express our faith. That's how we take control. Amen? Are you hearing me? So don't have this idea, whatever happens to me is the will of God. No, it's not the will of God. It's not the will of God. You can determine how much of God's blessings you enjoy. Are you hearing me? Look at what he said there. Uh, Luke 11, 2. And he said unto him, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Look at this part. Thy kingdom come. Look at this. Will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. We pray this. We want to see God's will done in our lives. We determine that. I determine how much of God's will is done in my life. As I release my faith. As I pattern my words according to God's word. Therefore, I come in control. I'm in charge. Amen. Jesus told us in Mark 16. He said, go into the world, preach the gospel. He said, you will cast out devils. That means you can limit how much Satan has influence in your life. You are in control. Say, I'm in control. I'm in control. By my faith and exercising my authority. Come on, say it again. Say, I'm in control. I'm in control by my faith and I exercise my authority in Jesus' name. Okay, we're going to be talking about honor. Amen. Honor from God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to do a little bit of teaching. I have just about a couple of scriptures I'm going to work on. But the word honor, let me describe, let me define this word to you. It is to recognize and show public admiration for someone, for someone and showing them respect. Simple English definition. I'm going to give you the, the Greek and the Hebrew, but this is simple English. It's recognized and show public admiration for someone and for someone and showing them respect. There are three words in the Greek and Hebrew I'm going to talk about here. There are many other words, but there's a word called timao. T-I-M-A-O. Timao, timao, if you want to put it. That word means to estimate. It means to fix the value. It means to revere. To venerate. The word is T-I-M-A-O. If you're writing down, that word means to put value, to fix a value on something, to estimate. It also means to revere, like, you know, reverence, revere. Okay? That, that's somewhat we use when the Bible says, for example, honor your father and your mother. That word there is to put value. Because of the value you put on your parents, you respect them. Amen? Do you know, that, you know in the Bible, it's not, it doesn't tell us to love our parents. Tell us to honor our parents. It's nowhere in the Bible. If you look at the Bible, it says love your parents. It says to honor them. Put value. Put value. Amen. Put value to them. I mean, that's just the word to me. That's one word. That word is a Greek word. Now, there's a Hebrew, there's a, another Greek word called doxa. D-O-X-A. Doxa. Doxa. That word means to speak well of. Amen. To speak well of. It means to honor. Or it means to praise. To have a good, to have a good opinion of. 
to speak well of doxa, like when you hear the word doxology, whenever you, if you are in, in Anglican, Methodist, Baptist, they say at the end, they say that's doxology, where the speaker speaks well of you. I mean, it gives you a blessing. The closing blessing is to speak well of. That's the word doxa. That word also means honor. It means to speak well of. Now, these words, I'm going to show you how they, how they, how they refer to us as believers or how they connect with us as believers. Then there's a word called kabad. K-A-B-A-D. There are two words. There's one called kabod. There's one called kabad. <laughs> there are two words. They, they kind of mean, uh, and now, the word kabod or kabad means heavy. It means weighty. Something of heavy substance. High quality, heavy. Okay, that's what the word honor. That word, another word for honor. That word is kabad. I'm going to mention some other words, but not. You don't need to write them down. Take note of them so much. There's a word that means to be the chief place, like on the high table. That word is a little longer. It's proto proto kiasis. That word means to be on the high table. Okay, when you honor someone, you say, oh, when you, at a wedding or at an event, let's call on Mister or Miss So and So and So to the high table. That's honor. Honor. Amen. That's another word for honor. There's another word that speaks of uh, uh, that speaks of um, uh, uh, a place of uh, the place of honor that speaks of honor, majesty, like kingship, royalty. That word is hadar, h a d a r, h a d a r, speaks of majesty, like kingship. Okay, that those are words. Is that word called kiseh, k i s s e h? That word means throne. Now, what am I saying? What is the theme of camp meeting? Honor from God. Honor from God. Not just honor to God. Not just honor of God. But honor from God. Okay? Let's look at some thoughts. Let's think about some things. John 3.16. John 3.16. I'm going to use three or four scriptures that we know. Very, very simple to connect this. Look at John 3.16. Let's go there. For God so loved the world. Let's pause there. God so loved the world. That so describes the extent of God's love, it, it, it gives it a lot of heavy weight. It gives it a lot of weight. Not just God loved, God so loved the world. Now I want to change that word "loved" to the word "valued," to the word "honored." Okay, I want to change that word, that word "love" there to the word "honored" or "valued." It says God so valued the world, God so loved the world, God so honored the world, God so put heavy weight on the world, God so loved you that He gave His only begotten. See, there's a reason why I use the word so. Because you don't give your only begotten to just anything. Hallelujah. If you have 100 naira left, I say, give it to me. Listen. Or, you don't just give it to anybody. You give it to somebody who is precious to you. God so, God so values us. God so values you. God puts you on a high pedestal. You are so important in God's mind that he gave his only begotten son for you. That, that's how precious we are. God has value. God put so much, so much premium on you. Amen. You're not just God. Let me say this: God doesn't just give His stuff to junk. God made so He He took His time to weigh what He was going to do. Amen. He took His time to weigh: Is this worth it? Amen. Say I'm worth it. Come on, say I'm worth it. Say I'm valuable. Say I'm very valuable. So God took time to so look at you and look at your value that He gave His one and only. He gave His one and only. Hallelujah! I mean, that's that's that tells you how precious, how valuable you are. 
It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make or you don't make. It doesn't matter where you live in a mansion or you live on the street. God values you. God so loves you. God so values that He gave it. He's only begotten. That whosoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The word everlasting life there is the same word Zoe. That word is eternal life. That word means life the way God has it. Are you hearing me? Listen, God does not give his stuff to junk. God doesn't give his stuff. What, what's so precious to him? He doesn't share it with ordinary people, with just anybody. Amen? You are so... I, I want to... Listen, if there's any... One of the I want to ca- capture is this. You are so valuable to God that God had to take of himself and give to you. That's what the Bible says. He gave his only because of that whosoever. He gave his son to you. He gave his son for you. That's how valuable you are. That's how honorable you are. That's how precious you are in God's sight. He gave his best, his one and only, just for you. Just for you. I want you to square your shoulders. Say, God gave his one and only for me. Come on, square your shoulders. Amen. That's how valuable you are. It doesn't matter like what you're wearing, where you live right now. It doesn't matter where you are. Listen, you are so precious to God. And when you begin to understand that, there are certain things you will stop tolerating. Because if I know... I'm that valuable to God. I'm that precious to God. There's a different way you walk. There's a different way you talk. There's a different way you look at life. Hallelujah. In the Bible says that if God gave his only, won't he with him give us all things? Ooh, glory to God. My, my, my. God gave you everything. Do you know Christ was a risk? Do you know that? Do you know if Jesus Christ committed one sin that had been over? He was a lamb. That had to be spotless without blemish. If Christ made one single error, you would have been over. So Jesus Christ was a risk from God. <laughs> you know, for in the Old Testament, before you go, the lamb that was used for sacrifice had to be without blemish, without spot, had to be without wrinkle. Jesus Christ came in that sense, and the Bible says in Hebrews 4, he was tempted at all points without sin. That means Satan tried him. Satan turned him upside down, twisted him this way, that way. He was not found wanting anyway. Because if he had made one single mistake, it would have been over. And why did God do that? Just for you. God put heaven at risk just for you. God, put, Have you ever put some of your money at risk for somebody? Have you ever trusted somebody with your best, with your all, and the person failed you? It happens to us. You take somebody, you may be somebody you mentored, you pour everything to them, and they walk away. It happens to us and you feel heartbroken. Listen, God put everything on the line. God put everything on the line. Amen. People say, well, how about Job? Listen, Job was, Job's pressure was less than what Jesus Christ went through. Job went through some pressure. Yes, he did. But Jesus' pressure was more. <laughs> because Jesus, Job was not prophesied about in the Old Testament before he showed up. Christ, God prophesied about Jesus from Genesis. God spoke about Jesus from Genesis. So Satan was aware. He's coming. He's coming. And Satan saw the track, saw the family, saw the lineage. So Satan was prepared. Listen, when Christ came into the world, all the demons of hell, hell was ready for him to take him out, to cause him to err. And God did all that just for you. That's how precious you are. So much honor. So when God looks at you now, he sees you precious. He sees you rare. You are a red gem. Say I'm a red gem. gem. Oh my my, my. (laughs) mama. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. First of tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Nine. Not one. Nine. Sorry. But you are a chosen generation. Mm. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. You're unique. You're rare. <laughs> You're rare. Hallelujah. You're unique. You're unique. This is because this is why this is what this is the result of God choosing you, of God laying I mean putting Jesus' life on the line. On the line. He was tempted at all points for you to become a royal priesthood, for you to become a chosen generation, for you to become a peculiar person. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Look at John fourteen seventeen. John fourteen seventeen. In fact, before we go there, let's go to Genesis one. Let's let's start from the beginning. Uh, Genesis one verse twenty six. Genesis one twenty six. Before we go to John fourteen seventeen. Genesis one. Genesis one twenty six. Okay. Before ah, uh, let me see. Mm. Let's go to twenty five. Let's go up a little bit. Trying to see, I'm trying to work on these scriptures. Ah. Go back 26. Let's go 26. Let's go 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let them have dominion. Hold your place there. Let us make man in our image. <laughs> Let's make man in our image. So when God made you, when you came into this world, you were literally, you were God walking on the earth. In our image, that means you look, say, I look like God. Say, I look like God. That's why Satan is jealous of you. That's why Satan is jealous of you. Because when Satan looks at you, he sees God. What he never was and could ever become, that's what he sees. God made that his, his likeness. That means you can function like God. That, that's what God made. God literally made himself. God literally made a miniature version of himself. And God does not make junk. God does not make junk. If you look at the last part of chapter 1 of Genesis, it says everything that God made, God saw it was very good. So you are very good. (laughs) Amen. You are very good. Oh, but pastor, I'm not perfect. Uh, Yes, you are very good. Oh, but pastor, I make mistakes. You are very good. God made you just like himself. Glory to God. That's how honorable you are. That's how honorable you are. This is and this is listen. This is Adam. This is not Christ yet. <laughs> this one you're looking at here is Adam. That means natural man. Everybody. That's why I don't pray for people to die. I don't. Yeah. I always tell people. Psalm 23 tells me He has set the table for me at the graveyard of my enemies. Is that what it says? At the graveyard of my enemies. That's not the presence of my enemies. Amen. Why? Because my enemy can become my friend tomorrow. Everybody who God made out there can, in one moment, become find their place in Christ because God made them just like Himself. So Adam, natural man, this is what God saw in natural man, and He look at what it says there. It said, "Let them have dominion. Dominion. Dominion means you are exercising authority. It's only kings that exercise authority." So when God made natural man, God put honor in natural man. God already put honor in natural man. That natural man can exercise dominion. That's why the richest man in the world today does not speak in tongues. It's a natural man. 
You know, it's not, that's, yeah, I mean, you could call names of people, the richest one in Nigeria, according to them that we know about. <laughs> okay, that's what I would say. Because some people have money hidden somewhere that we don't know. The one we know about, Mr. Dangote, we don't know him to be a tongue-talking believer. I mean, he might be one, I don't know. But what I'm saying is this, that non-natural man has dominion over fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air. Listen, only kings, only rulers have dominion. So natural man already has the honor of rulership. Are you hearing me? God put his dominion on you so that nothing can dominate you. Now, listen, if you want to understand principles, there's, what's, there's a principle in scripture called uh, principle of first things. Okay? That means if you see the first thing, the first pattern, you see, that becomes the establishing pattern. So when the Bible says here, God made man to have dominion. That means that's God's intention for all time. Are you hearing me? There's honor upon you to have dominion. Listen to me. There's honor upon you to have dominion. God has put in you what it takes that you cannot be dominated. The day you decide that this is over, it is over. That's honor. God has put dignity in you to rule. God has put dignity in you to rule. He has put something in you to make you a ruler. To make you able to conquer every circumstance and every situation. Even as Adam. This was before the fall. 27. 27. Next verse. And created, God created man in his own image. Male and female created he. Then I always say to people, the image of God is male and female. It's not only male. Amen. God is not a man and God is not a woman. God is both male and female. El Shaddai means multi-breasted one. That's a female. God is also called a man, the mighty man of war. That's a man. But that's God. Amen. Next verse. For those who are chauvinists, that kills it right there. <laughs> if you are a female chauvinist, that kills it. Male chauvinist, that kills it. Because there are ladies who feel that, you know, if you want to be a person, you have to be a woman. But let's go. Let's let Feminism. Modern day feminism. And God blessed them. So God did not only give them dominion, God now added something to it. He blessed them. You don't bless junk. I don't, I don't understand. I don't know about you. If you work hard, you don't give your money to fools. Amen? The God's blesses God's money. God releases resource into man. You don't give your resources to fools. Jesus said you don't cast your pearls before swine. Jesus said that. Amen? So God blessed man. Say, I'm blessed by God. Amen. So God blessed man. Now, I'm, listen, I'm talking about Adam now. We've not gone into Christ yet. Adam is blessed by God. Natural man. God blessed man and said to him, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it. Now, pause there. Let's think about this. The word replenish, what does that word mean? It means the guy will run out. Are you, now, some of you thought, you didn't see this in the Bible before. You thought when God blessed them, everything was fine. God gave them an assignment. God said to them, replenish. It means it will run out, right? Hello, is that what replenish means? When you replenish your supply, that means it ran out. Amen? So that means that God did not put man to just have dominion and just lie down and speak in tongues. God put man to exercise dominion to actually make things happen. The honor upon you can make things happen. Ah, uh, listen. Ah. Uh, Anything that has running low in your life, God's place right now in Jesus' name. In fact, let me say, say, I have the authority to replenish anything that has run low in my life. If you're sick in your body, I have the authority to replenish healing and health in my body right now. Okay, look at the next one. It says, and subdue. Subdue, what does that mean? It means there's going to be a rebellion. There's going to be a rebel. 
Hallelujah. So people say, where was Satan all along? He was around. So God created man with the authority, even Adam, to dominate Satan. Such an honor. Such an honor. It means no devil can stop you. No devil can stop you. Let me say this. I'm going to say this right now. No, even devils cannot stop natural man. When there is sickness, natural man finds a cure. And sickness comes from the devil. I'm just trying, look at that's low level, that's natural man. Natural man, base man, when there's poverty, they can create things. Do you know in Saudi Arabia, they skate? Saudi Arabia is desert. There are places in the world where it's hot, and you go, you have a skating rink. There are places where they create, in Saudi Arabia or UAE, in, in, in Dubai, they create rain. They make rain fall. Desert. Snowstorms in the desert. How is that possible? Subdue. Replenish. That's natural man. Natural man. Natural man. If natural man, if Adam, if the first Adam can do these things, how much more? How much more you? How much more? The Bible says you are seated at the right hand of God. You are seated. Adam was not there. You are there, seated. Right, a place of honor. Oh, glory to God. First John, first John 3 1 and 2. First John 3 1 and 2. Let's, I'm going to, I have to skip and jump right now. First John 3 1 and 2. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed unto us that we should be called what? That we should be called what? Ah, a son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 oh boy. Hey, Hebrews 11, Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> oh, sons of God. Son, I want you to see the honor. I want you to see what God has done with you. Hebrews 1 and 1. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in time past unto us by the prophets, verse 2. Keep going. Has in this last spoken unto us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom made the word. Hold, hold your place there. When you look at that verse, there you look at the word son. Okay? Capital S O N. The Bible says that we are in Christ. Okay? 7 Corinthians 5 17. If anyone is in Christ. Okay? So look, look at that verse again. Look at it again. I'm going to interpret that verse in the light of you now. God speaks to us in these times through you. God speaks to us. In these times through you. And God has appointed you heir of all things. And through you, God can make and remake the worlds. Honor. Sonship means you represent your father completely. That's what it means. Jesus in John, in John chapter 5, Jesus said, I'm son of God. They wanted to stone him to death. Why? Because they said he made himself equal with the father. The day you got born again, you came into heirship. That means what belongs to God belongs to you. What belongs to God belongs to you. That's a place of honor. What belongs to God belongs to you. And if Jesus, Bible says, God has appointed earth by whom he made the world, you can remake your world. You can remake your world. You can change your circumstances. You can change things around you as a son of God. You can change things around you. <sighs> Go back to that first John 3. Go back there again. We're there. Just go back there. Go back there. Go back there. Go back there. 
verse 1. First John 3 verse 1. I'm going to look at 1 and 2. Go back there. What manner of love? The Father. See that word love again? That's the word value. Honor. <laughs> Are you hearing me? God, look at it. Behold what manner of honor God has bestowed unto us. What manner of honor we have gotten from God that we should be called sons of God. Full representative of God on the earth here. Sons of God. Hallelujah. We should be called sons of God. Whew. And he said, he said, therefore the world does not know us because they knew him not. But look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. I love this one. Behold, now are we sons of God. Now are we. So I'm not waiting for heaven to manifest. I manifest right here. You should not wait for heaven to manifest. This honor God has given you is not for heaven. It's for here. It's for here. Are you hearing me? This honor of sonship that God has brought you into is for here. And as a son of God, you can change your world. You can change somebody else's world. Hallelujah. You can change somebody's world. How God anointed Jesus Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing. How God has anointed you as his son who can go about and do good and heal. Same honor. Same honor. At Lazarus' tomb, Jesus said something. He said, Father, I thank you because you have heard me. And he said, you hear me always. Listen, son of God, honor. You have your father's attention always. 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 Now, when life throws you something, you just call on your father. He said in Psalm 91, I will answer them. I will, they should call upon me in trouble. And I will deliver them and I will what? Honor them. That's what he said. I will honor them. When you call upon him as his son, there's an honor. He responds. He responds immediately because you are precious to him. You are dear to him. Are you hearing me? Stop looking down on yourself. You have come into sonship. You have come into the family of honor. You have come into royalty. Are you hearing me? And therefore, it's great honor. You You are valuable to heaven. You are valuable to God. I remember when my kids were younger. If my daughter speaks in the church crying, I could hear her voice distinct from everybody's voice because of the value I put on my daughter. Are you hearing me? There's a story told whether it's true or not. I don't know. A pilot flying. And there was a little boy inside the plane. And there was turbulence. And the boy was not even mine. He was busy playing his game. Someone said, why are you not afraid? He said, well, because the pilot is my dad. <laughs> the pilot is my father. Are you hearing me? Listen, no matter the turbulence that blows anywhere, you are God's son. You are God's child. God honors you. God values you. The Bible says, my eyes run to and fro the earth to show myself strong on behalf because you are my son. That's what God says. Therefore, don't be afraid. Therefore, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You are God's son. The Bible says that he that speaks the word of God, God does not give him spirit by measure. Amen. If only you can speak the word of God. Uh, listen to me, son of God. Heaven stands attention when you speak his word. Heaven stands attention when you speak his word. You are his son. You are his signature. Son of God means you are his signature on the earth. Jesus said to Philip, If you have seen the father, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. Are you hearing me? Listen to me, child of God. Whenever you're walking along the street, guess who's walking? God himself is walking. John 14, 17. John 14, 17. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I don't care if you're a woman or a man. You're a son of God. Are you hearing me? The sonship is not by Igbo culture. Where they only give land to women, to men. 
sonship is not I'm an Igbo man. They share land. They give it to the men only in the village. That's not how it works. In the kingdom of God, we are all sons of God. <laughs> we are joint as with Christ. What belongs to Christ belongs to you, male, female, whatever. Who, boy, girl, it belongs to you. <laughs> Amen. Look at John 14, 17. It says that even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because certainly not. You don't know him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you, first of all. Hallelujah. Is God holy? And some is God holy? God does not dwell in unholy places. He said he dwelleth with you. <laughs> and he says, shall be what? In you. What an honor. God is in me. Dwells in me. The, the word dwells does not mean to visit. It means to make a permanent abode. If you ask where do you live, I will, I will not say Nigeria. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you I live in, I'll give my address in Atlanta because that's where I live. Okay? God dwells in you. You are God's permanent address. It has pleased God to live in you. And listen, it doesn't just stop there. God lives in you so He can manifest through you. He can manifest himself in you, through you, and for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are things that we need to feed on. Feed on them. This truth you need to feed on them. As we go through camp meeting understanding that I'm honored by God. Honored by God. Honored by God. God speaks well of you. I told you that word. That's the word doctor. Doctor. God speaks well of you. He doesn't call you sinner. He calls you righteous. He says you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what he says. Hallelujah. He doesn't call you sick. He said, I'm the Lord. Even if you are sick, I'm the Lord that healed thee. He said that even if sickness has entered into you, he said, I will bless your brother and take away sickness from the midst of you. That means even if the sickness has entered, he will take it out. Why? Because you are precious to him. You are his son. I would let my son go through difficulty. I would not. I would do all I can do to help him. But as, like I said something, as you believe his word, and as you speak it and act on it, you will see these things activated. You will see, this, you will see yourself walking in these realities. Hallelujah. Then you got born again. Many things happen. Colossians 1.13 Colossians 1.13 I just want to show you these scriptures concerning honor so you can begin, you can see it, you can see it. This is the truth about you. Glory to God. Glory to God. I have two more things I want to drop on you. Mm, yes, that's it. Okay, look at what it says there. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God's kingdom of his dear son. That's why it says there. But I want to challenge you. Put an S at the end of it. Kingdom of his dear what? Uh-huh. Amen. Yeah. Christ was the first begotten. Before the cross he was the only. After the cross he was the first begotten. Why? Because he has brought many sons into glory. Okay? Many sons into honor. You see that? The Bible says that. He has brought many sons into Glory. The word glory is also the word honor. He has brought many sons into that. And you and I are in that company of sons he has brought into it. So it says there, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, transferred into the kingdom, kingdom of his dear son. I mean, uh, uh, Pastor Nugwa and, and Pastor Muriel, they live in the kingdom, United Kingdom. <laughs> United Kingdom. 
And the United Kingdom, if you if you look at history, there was a certain way, the aristocracy and all that. You can't just become a king or become royalty in Israel. You must, in, in, in Israel, in UK, you must be born into that family. And there's certain certain way they carry themselves. The aristocrats, certain way they behave. Okay, certain decorum, certain way, certain things they do. Okay, you and I, we have come into the kingdom of God's dear sons. It's a kingdom of honor. It's a distinctive kingdom. Not anybody can come in here except those who come in through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you have come in there now. So when God sees you, He sees you as part of a kingdom. See, I'm part of a kingdom. Bigger than the UK, bigger than the Vatican, bigger than America. That's the kingdom you have come into. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of God where everything that belongs to God belongs to you. It belongs to you. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us also that 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 God has given His angels. Okay, ah, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Think about it this way: You go to a rich man's house. They have servants, right? They have servants. Servants serve the rich man's sons, let it serve the father. Same way. Okay? The Bible says the angels are ministering spirits sent forth to serve us. Serve us who have gotten into this kingdom. You don't serve, a servant does not serve a servant. Servants serve sons. Amen? And sons are sons because they have honor. They have confidence in the family. It's a certain glory they have. You and I, the same way, the angels of God are your servants. Because you have come, you are part of a kingdom. You are part of a kingdom. Amen? And I'm saying that because I want you to begin to see yourself valuable. The Bible says, look at Psalm 103 verse 20. Psalm 103 verse 20. Look at it. Okay, let's look at Psalm 103 verse 20. Let's look at the scriptures. My purpose is to help you see yourself. See yourself the way God sees you. Help you understand that God honors you. God values you. You are precious to Him. And you begin to walk that way. Nothing can stop you. No demon can press you at night. If they've been pressing you at night before now, you go serve them. No, get home tonight. Say it's over. It's over. The king is in town. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what you say. I hear, oh, something pressing you at night. I said, nothing presses me at night. When I close my eyes, I open them in the morning. <laughs> if they've been pressing you before, it's enough. Enough is enough. We serve them notice today is the last day. The Bible said, My people perish for lack of knowledge. So, lack of knowledge will make them keep pressing you because they're pressing before you go born again. But no more. No more. It says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels. Remember, his angels are the servants of the kingdom. Okay? That excel in strength. Okay? So, the angels excel in strength. We know an angel killed over 180,000 people at night. One night. One angel. Okay? That do his commandments. Look at this part here. Hutman. The word hearken means to hear and to do. Hutton unto the voice. He didn't just say his word. Unto the voicing of his word. So as, an, as a child of honor, when you speak God's word continually, your angels are working continually. Amen. Hallelujah. So when there's a problem that tries to, that tries to chink your armor, okay, that tries to diminish your value, when, when, when sickness tries to come, because sickness tries to diminish your value as a healed one, okay, you don't just say, oh, I, I'm feeling so sick, this sickness will kill me. No, you don't say that, because when you do that, you paralyze your angels. So what do you do? You say, sickness leave my body now. You put your angels to work, amen? Are you hearing me? As an honorable person, you speak honorably. Honorable people don't talk anyhow. If you go to the market, go to yeah, yeah, yeah. Hundred people don't talk that way. They talk with decorum. They say a certain way they talk. 
And when they talk, what they say carries weight. Amen. The words you speak, are you hearing me? They carry weight. I say, as a son of God, come on, say, as a son of God, who has honor in heaven, who has honor on the earth, when I speak, my words carry weight. When I speak, angels attend to my word. That means you be careful what you say. Some of us have talked like a bunch of touts instead of talking like sons of God. You talk dishonorably. Therefore, you get treated dishonorably. But when you say I'm an honored person from my God, there's no circumstance. Even when it seems like it's come, you change what you say. I told you in Hebrews 1, the Bible speaks about Jesus. Through him, God created the world. So go on. Through faith, God shows that we can recreate our world. You create your world with your word. As a king makes a decree, and everybody responds. When you open your mouth, as one who is a son of God, honored by God, heaven comes to attention. And hell begins to quake. Amen? Because you are a son of God. You are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. I don't care. I don't have a degree. You are not ordinary. I only make some amount of money. You are not ordinary. Even in the midst of so-called recession, you are not ordinary. You are not ordinary. You are valuable to God. That's why God will take care of you. That's why God will provide for you. God will see to it that you are provided for. But God is not going to force it on you. You've got to cooperate with them and speak honorably. If Dangote's son decides that he wants to become a tout on the street, he would not, he would just be like anybody else on the street. Think about that. A multi-millionaire son who can live in the best mansion of the world decides that he wants to live on the street. When you see him, you tell that's Dangote's son, you will not be, you say, ah, no, he can't be. But actually, but he made a choice. Okay? If you ask a son of God, Understand, I'm a son of God, and from today forward, okay, honored by God, I refuse to walk in nothing less than the honor that I have from God. When you, when you, when you make that decision, heaven will agree with you. Hell will agree with you, and the world will agree with you also. Amen. If you start talking now, people will look at you and say, "Who are you? Who do you think you are?" I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. The more you say it, the more real to become. His name was called Abraham, ordinary father. When he changed into Abraham, something happened. They laughed at him. You are an ordinary father. You are now father of many nations without a child. Okay? The more he spoke it, the more it became real to everybody around him. And then it manifested. Are you hearing me? When you understand that, look, I am a son of God, and you start talking with that dignity, the honor that God has given you as a son. Okay? The world might laugh at you initially, but watch out. You will see manifestation real quick and they will testify and of the good works of God in your life. Amen? Amen. I want to leave you with this scripture and we will we'll pray. Amen. Glory to God. Now, the Bible tells us that we have, we have a treasure. Okay. Look at Ephesians 3.10. Ephesians 3.10. Okay, good. Ephesians 3.10. The world, thank you sir, the world that we live in has problems. The reverend said earlier on, politicians can't help us. America cannot help us. UK cannot help us. They are all confused. One day is Lambda. The other day is this nice Omicron. Who knows what's going to be next? Dr. Fauci is Dr. Confused. You know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I live in America. We, we see all these guys. Everywhere. Look at what it says there. Now, this is God's intention. That now, unto the principles and powers in heavenly places might be known 
by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. The answer to the world's problems are in the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is in you. It's in you. Remember Romans, Romans it tells us the creation awaits a manifestation of sons. Okay? When sons manifest, the creation is taken care of. Okay? When sons manifest, when we begin to walk in the glory and honor that we have from God, we can take care of the problems of the earth. That's what it says here. That the intention of God is that through us, the answer to world's problems, the answer to world's problems, the answer, the manifold wisdom, many-sided wisdom of God will make manifest. That means, uh, some of you here, there are skills that God has put in you. There are some supernatural abilities God has put in you and He's putting on you right now that are the answer to where you are. Are you hearing me? There's supernatural skill. There's supernatural skill. There are, there are uniquenesses as a world. Unique ways of doing things. Unique ways that will answer world's problems that God has put in you. And because you have not seen yourself as valuable, as, as, as a son of God, as having the answer, you have not pressed into it. One day a man was in church in Yongicho, Dr. Yongicho, coming to the Lord, Yongicho's church. And Yongicho was teaching about salt of the earth. He said, you are the salt of the earth. The man heard in the city, you are the salt of your nation. You are the salt of your city. You are the salt of the world. Go into salt business. The man became a billionaire just with that message. There are uniquenesses. There are the answers to what's from is in you. It's in you. And if you don't understand that God has given me the answer, the honor from God to solve problems, to actually bring solutions. Creative solutions in different ways, not just holding the microphone or the pulpit, okay, but being out in the marketplace of life and being there representing God and God giving you ideas how to solve, how to create things, how to write programs and do different things that will solve problems. You'll be surprised when you begin to walk in this, this consciousness, this dimension, you will see how easy it is for you to solve problems. And listen, people get paid more for unique problems they solve. The man who created the USB port was an Indian man who works in IBM. That man working in IBM who created that is a billionaire. The USB port. One man made it, an Indian man. Works in IBM. The man is a billionaire from doing that. When you solve problems, the world will salute you. But listen, you are a son of God. God has uniquely gifted you. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Okay? Now I know people say it's spiritual treasure. I agree with you. But listen, spiritual treasure is designed to manifest in physical things. Hallelujah. It's the manifold wisdom of God in you. In you. Let's let's look at let's look at Daniel as an example. Daniel chapter five from verse eleven. Daniel five from verse eleven. Just say, say I'm gifted. Say I'm gifted. Say the manifold wisdom of God dwells in me. The answer to world's problems is in me. I would explore them. I would exploit them in Jesus' name. Verse 11 says, There is a man in thy kingdom, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And day of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of gods, were found in him. Okay? Uh, uh, whom thy father, King Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, all that stuff. Now, look at what was in him. Light, understanding, and wisdom. Okay? Those are spiritual virtues, right? But Daniel was a great governor. Became a vice president. Solving practical problems. But 
look at what was in him. Light, understanding, and wisdom. Okay, but that, those three elements will come to solve practical problems. The Spirit of God is in you. The wisdom of God is in you. It will cause you to solve practical problems. Look at the next verse. We're going to go to verse 14. Next verse. Okay, that's 14. For as much as an excellent spirit and knowledge and understanding, interpreting of dreams. See, it goes now. He just said light, wisdom, and that. But now it expands it. It says, uh, on this, uh, uh, excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting of dreams, showing of hard sentences, dissolving of were found in this in this same Daniel. Okay, let's go to Daniel. The world is waiting for you. The world is waiting for you. The world is waiting for you. They will call for you. They call for Daniel. They will call for you. The honor that God has given you will cause you to have solutions that they will come to. The Bible says nations will come to the horizon. Are you hearing me? Nations will come to the horizon. When you rise in this knowledge and this, this confidence, nations will come. Nations will come. You will solve doubts. You will dissolve doubts. You will, you will show hard centers. You will explain. You will cause things that are difficult to be solved. Because this honor, this honor is, is the Holy Ghost in you. It's God in you. It's Christ in you. It's God's sonship on you. Daniel in the Old Testament walked in this. And we have, we are greater. We have greater now. We have greater. The Holy Ghost lives in us. The answers are in us. Glory to God. We need to understand that. We need to embrace that. We need to embrace that. Again, let me remind you. God does not put his stuff in junk. He does not put his stuff in junk. Jesus said, don't put uh, precious things, give them to, to swine. He does not put his stuff in junk. Hallelujah. The glory of God is upon you right now. It's actually in you, but it's rising up upon you. It's upon you right now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Thank you for listening. Messages are freely available. Visit carusoscloud.com slash profile slash Savannah Ministries for download. Or visit www.savannahministries.org for more information.